It is good to be here today, starting the new year off. This past election year brought a, a group of individuals to the polls, and each one had a set of values. Some had values leaning this way, others had values leaning this way, and they voted according to those values. Whether we want to admit it or not, the values that we have shape our lives. Uh, they shape our foundation. So this morning, we're going to begin a series of sermons on values. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be spending the next 10 weeks in Exodus chapter 20 as we look at these values that were given to us thousands of years ago. We call them the Ten Commandments. Uh, they are the bedrock of Western civilization. Matter of fact, you might find this interesting. Muslims and Christians are founded upon these 10 bedrock principles, these 10, these 10 foundational truths. Now, I don't know why they're not quite adhering to them the way that Christians try to, but that's another sermon for another day. But the fact of the matter is we have these things in common. And these 10 commandments serve the, the bedrock or the foundation of our laws here in the United States of America. So for the next 10 weeks, we're going to look at the 10 commandments and, and talk about how they can make a difference in your life. So the first question we ask ourselves as we think about the Ten Commandments is, why did God give us the Ten Commandments? He did not give them to hurt us. He gave them to help us. He did not give them to hamper us. He gave them to release us. He did not give them to punish us. He gave them to protect us. When my kids were, were growing up, Sometimes I tell them now, but, you know, don't touch that hot stove. Was I doing that for my benefit or was I doing that for their benefit? I was doing it for their benefit. Don't do that because if you do it, it will hurt you. In the same way, God gives us principles. God gives us commandments, not so that they will hurt us, but so they will help us. He said, don't do these things and it will go well with your life. That's the purpose of the Ten Commandments. They're there to, to help us, to give us a positive direction. He's saying these are the paths you are to take. These are tracks upon which you can run your life. Every time God tells us to not do something in the Bible, it's always with a positive, for a positive reason. There are, a, there are a series of universal laws within the world which the world operates by. Let's take the law of gravity, for instance. There is a law of gravity. Now, you can choose not to believe that. You can choose, I don't believe the law of gravity exists, so I'm going to live my life outside the realms of the law of gravity. And if you go up to a 10-story building and you decide there is no law of gravity and you jump out of that building, guess what? The law of gravity is going to break you. You're not going to break the law of gravity. It's going to break you. It's the same way with the spiritual foundations. God says, I've given some foundational truths. I've given some, some things, some laws that you need to live by if you're, it's going to go well with you in your life. Listen, they are not the 10 suggestions. They're not the 10 great ideas. Uh, they're, they're the great 10 concepts. No, they are the 10 commandments. And because they're commandments, they're not optional. Uh, we don't get to pick and choose which ones we want to listen to, which ones we want to obey. And if you live by these commandments, guess what? Your life's not going to get messed up. 
But if you choose to break them, you choose to live outside of them, you're going to have a messed up life. These Ten Commandments serve as parameters. They kind of teach us what is right and what is wrong. And they serve as the foundation for a strong life. And that's what we're going to be talking about, ten values that build strong lives. This morning, we're going to look at the first one. It is first for a reason. It didn't happen by chance. When God was organizing them, he said, I wonder which one I should put first. He chose to put this one first for a reason. Why? Because all the other commandments derive from the first one. What is that first commandment? Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 says what? You shall have no other gods before me. That's pretty straightforward. You shall have no other gods before me. So what's the principle here? Put God first. That's the first thing you learn. I can't think of a better thing for our students, for our college students, for, us, uh, for young marrieds, for older marrieds, retired folks. Put God first in your life for the first of the year. Put God first. So what does it mean to put God first? What does it mean to, to give him priority in your life? Notice he said, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, I thought there was only one God. You notice that word gods is a little g, not a big g. At least it is in my copy of God's Word. If you have a copy of God's Word that has gods as a capital G, just throw that thing away on the way out, okay? Uh, that's not the, the, the accurate translation of the Scripture, all right? You sure have no other gods. So he's talking about little gods, not the big God. He's talking about the little gods that are in our lives. So what's a God? A God is anything that takes the place of God in your life. Listen, a God could be your spouse. You may put your spouse before you put God. A God might be your career. Uh, a God might be your job. Uh, your God might be your friends. Uh, your gods might be that video game that you play. Uh, it, it might be uh, uh, that chat room where you go to. It might be your Facebook. Whatever. It could be anything. Anything that's taken the place of God. Guess what? It is a God in your life. It could be even something that's good. Something good that God created, if you put that first in your life, guess what? It's a God. Get this, it could even be the church. I mean, do you worship the church or do you worship God? Even the church could be a God if you put it in a place that belongs to God. This is foundational. If you don't get this first one right, the other ones are not going to matter. This is foundational. Anybody here ever built a home besides me? Anybody here? A couple of you built, built a house? Uh, you know, you know that when you build a house, that for the most part, 50% of the cost of the house goes into the foundation. It's the same way of house, a building. But why? Because that foundation has to be solid. It has to be structurally uh, sound. If it needs, if it needs six, six inches of cement and you put four, it ain't going to work. It doesn't matter how big a structure you put on the top. It doesn't matter how nice the kitchen is and how, how nice the bathroom is and the living room and all those things. If it does not have a strong foundation, it is going to fall. It is going to crumble. That's why this is very important that you get this one first. You've got to build on the right foundation. So he gives us a principle, put God first. What's the promise? Here's the promise. In everything you do, Put God first, and He will direct you and crown your efforts with success. There it is. In everything you do, 
Put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Let me give a parenthetical statement there. The first service, somebody came up and said, where's that found in the Bible? I said, well, it's not an exact quote from the Bible. I said, it's, it's pretty much the idea of the Bible. But I'm not talking about health, wealth, make you wise. You've heard me preach long enough. That ain't what we're talking about. We're talking about, I said, if you put God first in those in certain areas, God is going to bless you in your life. It may be happiness. It may be peace. It may be other things. Now, we'll get to this as you go through the sermon. But I just wanted to preface that right off the bat because somebody came up to me afterwards, the first service, and asked that question, and I had to direct her a couple passages in the Bible. So we're not talking health, wealth, and make you wise. The question you have to ask yourself is, do you want to be successful? Do you want to have God's blessings upon your life? Then God says, put me first. Put God first in your life. So how do you put God first? What do you do? What does it mean to put God first in your life? I want to give you an acrostic. It's in your, in your notes. I want to give you an acrostic that will help you put God first. I'm going to give you five ways to put God first in your life. These are profound, okay? Here they are. First one, finances. Put God first in your finances. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 through 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. I know exactly what you're saying, but I'm not a farmer. I don't have barns. I'm not gonna have, I don't have crops. Uh, I'm not growing grapes so that I can have wine to fill my vats. I say, don't be literal. In those days, it was literal. Look at it from bigger, in the bigger picture. God says, honor me with what you have and then you receive the blessing of, in your life, is what God is trying to say. Before anything else gets paid, before you pay your mortgage, before you pay your rent, before you pay your car payment, before you pay electric, gas, whatever it is, your school loan, whatever it is, God says, pay me first. Give me the first fruits. Give me right off the top before you do anything for anybody else. And what you will discover in my own life, what you discover, and I'll pass this on. When you give God the first, you will discover you have enough money to make it through the week, enough money to make it through the month, and enough money to make it through the year. I, hey, look, I don't understand it. I don't know how I can have less money. I give, give money to God, and I can have less money than I make, and somehow I wind up more at the end of the year. I can't understand it, but that's the way it works. God says, give me the first part and I will bless the rest that you give, that you have. The number one test of your priorities is your money. You hear me on this, my friends. God speaks more about money in the Bible than anything else because it's the number one test of your allegiance to God. Are you really going to trust me? Do you trust me enough with your finances? That will be the number one test. That's why it's often the hardest for us to do. Most of us spend our lives trying to earn money. Uh, you know, that's what we do. Uh, so we, you know, someday I, I hope to retire. I don't know when that'll be, and I may never retire because, you know, retire means to get tired again. I don't want to do that. Uh, I don't want to be tired again. I just want to be tired, all right? Uh, so, but someday I may retire, and I hope to have enough money so that I can enjoy my retirement. 
So we, we work hard to earn money, to save money, so that someday maybe we can enjoy the fruits of our labor, the benefits of that. So we spend most of our lives trying to earn it. Uh, and I know it may not be as relevant in this, in this audience as it was the first audience, but let's step back in time when you used to have a checkbook. And nowadays, you can't even balance a checkbook. Uh, so a checkbook, what's that look like? Uh, well, so ask your, your grandparents. I know what it is, okay? But, so let's make your bank statement. Let, let's say your bank statement. Let's say if, I was the, if you could go online and pull up your bank statement and you were to show the person sitting behind you your bank statement. You know what? They could turn a lot, learn a lot about you by where you spend your money. They may not even know you, but by the way you spend your money, they would suddenly know, I know a lot about this person. They would know that I spend a lot of time at HEB. Uh, it's what I do. Uh, I guess I'm trying to pay Ricky Barrier salary. I don't know what I'm trying to do. The point is, we don't want people to know how we live. So we keep it secret. But listen, it's not a secret to God. He knows how you spend every dime of your money. But we don't want to pass on our bank statement, our checkbook to somebody else. Why? Because we don't want them to have a look at our life. We don't want them to know how we live our lives. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, in the Living Bible says this, The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. I don't normally use the Living Bible, but it's, sim it's simple. It helps you understand it. Instead of me reading the verse and having to explain to you what it means, that's what it means. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first. So what's a tithe? A tithe is 10%. I know what you're going to ask me. Well, why did God say 10%? Well, that's just what he said. That's what he said. I think personally it's a math problem. I think God did 10% because it's easier than 9 and 11. Uh, I mean, uh, ladies, let me tell you something. Ladies, if you can get this 10% down, you can go into any store and you can reduce those, those bargains. You know, 20%, 30%, 40%, man, you're going to know what it is because you know what 10% is. It's much easier to divide something by 10 than it is divided by 9 or 11. It's much easier. God said, give me 10%. That's just what he said. So why is tithing so important? God says that if I'm not tithing, hear me on this, God says if I'm not tithing, then God is not really first in my life. That, that's just the crux of it. If he is not first in your finances, then he's not really first in your life. So when are you supposed to tithe? The Bible says we tithe on the first day of the week. That's when we do it. God says, if you put me first, I'll direct and I will crown your efforts with success. So why do we do it on the first day of the week? Because tithing is an act of worship. It is an act of worship. It's something we do as a worship. You might give to other charities. That's not a tithe. You can give to Lottie Moon. You can give to Annie Armstrong. You can give to, to Mary Hill Davis. You can give to World Vision. You can give to uh, Hunger Ministry. You can give to something like that. That's not a tithe. That's above the tithe. The tithe is 10% right off the top that goes into the offering. Every other giving is not a tithe. Designated giving is not a tithe. In other words, you can't say, I want, my, I want this money to go to the youth ministry. Great, great. We got an offering for the youth ministry. Now, where's the tithe? You see, the tithe goes to 
in the offering and not someplace else. Tithing is an act of worship. Now, one of my jobs as a pastor is to help, to encourage, to motivate, and to inspire you to be more like Jesus. I take it seriously. I, sometimes I fail, sometimes I succeed. But that's one of my jobs. The other job is, is to challenge you to be more like Jesus. It's is to call you and say, hey, look, you're supposed to be doing this. One of the ways that I'm going to challenge you is in your giving, to put God first. So in your bulletin is two blue sheets of paper. On there it says something like, you know, my, my offering to God this year. Something like that. I think I got it in my Bible. My financial commitment to God this year. I want you to notice what it does not say. It does not say my financial commitment to the church this year. Why is that? Because you're not making a commitment to the church. You're making a commitment to God. It just so happens the church is where we receive the offering that you give to God. What I want you to do with that, there's two of them. You notice that, right? I want you to put down, notice no place for name. I don't want to know your name. Uh, we don't want to know that. I want you to put down what you're going to give to God this year. Just put it down. If you make, if you make $200 a week, you say, I'm going to give $20 a week to, to God, multiply that by 52, you can figure out what that is. That's 1040 If you make $20,000 a year, you need to be giving $2,000 to God. If you make $100,000 a year, may your tribe increase. Uh, no, you need to be giving $10,000 to the Lord. Here, I make, it's not, it's, look, it's not a secret what the pastor makes. All you got to do is look at the budget. I make $63,000 a year, all right, before taxes. $63,000 a year. So you know, well, you, would, you wouldn't know, but every year I am going to put in $6,300 $300 a year in the offering. That's not counting what my wife makes. That's just me. You see, it's not that difficult. You know how I know that? Because it's 10%. It's so much easier than 9 or 11. I think God did that. So that's what you need to do. You need to fill that out. And then when the offering plate comes by after the service, you're going to take that and drop it in the offering plate. That's it. The other one, you put that same amount on that. Then you put it in front of your Bible. So every time you open your Bible, my financial commitment to God this year is this. And you will be reminded, oh man, I need to make sure... I get that check to the church. I need to make sure I get that money to the church. Why? Because you're making a financial commitment to God. What you're basically saying is to God, I'm trusting you. I don't understand how it's going to work. This is beyond my ability to grasp how, how 90% can go further than the 100%. But God, I trust you. Why? Because I trust you with my salvation. I'm going to trust you with my finances. So put God first in your finances. Second truth. Put God first in your interest. If God is number one in your life, He's going to be the primary thing you talk about. He's going to be the primary thing that you, that you reflect upon. You ought to put God first in your fun times. Put God first in your play times. Put God first in your amusements. Put God first in your recreation. Put God first in your hobbies. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says this, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let me give you an example. I can't do this, so you can apply this to your life. Let's say you're out on the golf course, and you're out there, and you're playing golf, and you're okay at it. Here's the way you give God the glory in golf. You say, God, I thank you that I'm able to hit this little white ball with this stick, 
and make it go in a direction that, that it needs to go. God, I thank you that you gave me the, the hand-eye coordination that I can do this. Thank you, God. I give you glory for that. You see what you just done? You're enjoying the game of golf, but you're giving God the glory for the ability he has given to you to play the game of golf. That's the way you show God first in your interest. Some of you may not know this, but I'm a Cowboys fan. Does anybody know that? Yeah, some of you. The rest of you, shame on you. You should know. Uh, I'm, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I have been all my life since 1960 when they moved to Dallas. I've been a Dallas Cowboy fan. Uh, first words out of my mouth was Dallas Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> my dad swears it was daddy, but it wasn't. Um, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. Now, because I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, because I... I like the Cowboys. People call me a fan of the Cowboys. However, if I'm excited about Jesus, you know what they call me? A fanatic. Let me get, ask you a question. Are you a fanatic for Jesus? Now, years ago, when I first started preaching, they said, well, you can't go past 12. I said, why is that? They said, well, the Cowboys kick off. And, uh, you know, I had to adjust my preaching for 12. You know what? I don't do that anymore. Why? Because we're here to worship God and not, not cowboys. In Illinois, the Chicago Bears. Uh, we didn't do that. I definitely wasn't going to take off with the Chicago Bears. <laughs> or the Arizona Cardinals when I lived in Arizona. Wasn't going to do that. The point is, those things that you're interested in, you need to put God first in those things. You need God, make sure that God is priority in your life. So that third, Relationships. Put God first in your relationship. Some of you need to choose your friends carefully. Proverbs 27, 19 in the Living Bible catches the essence of the verse. What a man is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. What the writer of Proverbs is saying there is that you can tell what's in a person's heart by the relationships that they have. Jesus said... What's in your heart will reveal itself by your actions. So if you're hanging out with people who are not a reflection of Christ, you're hanging out with people who, who do not put God first, you know what will happen? You will start looking more like them instead of them looking more like you. But what it really is, it's revealing what's in your heart because you want to hang around those people. It, the, it says it's a mirror to your soul. It's, re, it's revealing what is inside you. Why is that? Because you become like the people you hang out with. You become like the people you spend the most time with. Just this, this week, uh, about two and a half years ago, we had a girl move, come down to Tex come move to Texas from Illinois with us. She was just tagging along for the ride, but she came down, stayed a night in her house, then she got her own place. And she, this is a girl, she was sold out for Jesus. I mean, she was almost fanatical, if, you, if I could use that word. She was radical. Uh, and just this past week, I heard that she's renounced her faith. So, so in the process of basically two and a half, three years, she's totally renounced her faith. Why is that? Because she was hanging around people that brought her down instead of built her up. That's what happens. For some of us, we got to get rid of some of the friends we have. I'm not saying you shouldn't be friends of sinners. Jesus was a friend of sinners. We need to be friends, but they shouldn't be the ones you hang around and emulate and desire to be like. They should be on to emulate and desire and hang around you because you're a reflection of Jesus Christ. I've seen it happen. 
Proverbs 12, verse 26 says this, A righteous man is cautious in friendships. For some of you, the friendships you have are dead wrong. I've seen it too many times. I've seen a person who's gung-ho for Jesus get around the wrong people, and they are brought down. They're brought down. I have learned something in my years upon this earth. It is much easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. It's much easier. We need to remember that in spiritual truth as well. So we put God first in our finances. Put God first in our interests. Put God first in our relationships. Fourth, put God first in your schedule. Ephesians chapter 5, 16 and 17 says this. Making the most of every opportunity. I think it says because the days are evil. It goes on to say, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How do you discern what the Lord's God's will is? How do you discern what that is? Well, you make a list. I know that sounds stupid, but you make a to-do list. You sit there, you see, you, you make out a list. I've got seven things, things to do today. I only have time to do five. What am I going to do? It's called prioritizing, getting everything right the way it needs to be done. Selection is the name of the game. So how do you select? How do you select what is important what's not? You ask God to help you. You say, God, I need help with this I, with this calendar. I need help with these, these dates. I need help with these events. You have just enough time to do God's will. Listen, when you were born, God had a plan for your life. Matter of fact, before you were born, God had a plan. God had a purpose. He had a plan for you to live according to His will. So you have within you the exact amount of time you need to do what God would have you to do. You just got to get your priorities right. Uh, you, you, you've got to get that schedule down. I said, okay, I can't do all these things. So God, what is it that you would have me to focus on today? And you get that done. Uh, you, you make a, a daily appointment with God. Every morning, every day, you need to have time with God. Schedule that in there. Make time with God. It may be 10 or 15 minutes. The time is not the, not the important. The important thing is that you do it. You may have to get up early. You may have to get up 10 or 15 minutes early to have time. Or maybe you go to work. And, and, and you go to work. And before you go in, you sit out in your car. And, and you read a couple of passages of, of Scripture. And you just pray, God, help me today to focus on you. Maybe at lunchtime, you, you know, you've been hurried all day. You, you take a break from lunch. You go out and you sit underneath a tree. Or, or you, you sit out in, in the patio somewhere. And you open up your Bible. You eat your lunch. And then you just read a little bit and say, Hey, God, help me to refocus on you today. Or maybe it's at the end of the day. You come home. The kids are in bed. You've got all your, your assignments done. You sit there and say, I just want to close out the day, God, just spending time with you, thanking you for the day. You've got to schedule it. You've got to make an appointment with God. And when you're there, you say, God, let's review my life. Let's review my schedule. Let's review my goals. Let's review my priorities. God, what is really important to you? Because God, I want to be in the center of your will, not the center of my will. The Bible says that Jesus rose very early in the morning. He got up and went to a solitary place where he prayed. That's Jesus. Listen, if Jesus needed to get alone, uh, get, a, get alone with God, guess what? We do too. We sometimes need to get along with God. 
somewhere in the book of Jeremiah. I can't remember where it's found, but there's a verse in Jeremiah that says, my people have forgotten me days without number. Is that the way we are? Have we forgotten God days without number? Put God first in your schedule. Put God first in your relationship. Put God first in your interest. Put God first in your finances. Finally, we put God first in our troubles. When you're in trouble, whom do you turn to? God says, turn to me. Turn to me in your time of trouble. He says, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. Take my burden upon you because it's easy, it's light. He says, I'm there for you. Many people, you know, they get in a time of trouble. You know what they try to do? They try to fix it. You know, well, I think I can handle it. They try to fix it. They try to fix it. They, they go through it. And then they say, they can't fix it. Well, I guess I might as well pray. It's like, oh, it must be a hopeless situation if you got to pray. You know why I know that's true? Because it's true in my own life. How many times I say, I think I can fix this one. I don't need God's help. I can fix this one. And so I try to do it myself, and all I do is I make a bigger mess than I was to begin with. And then some people said, you know, I don't spend a lot of time with God during the week. And I don't spend time with God during the day, and I don't really want to bother God with, with this problem. You know what God says? Bother me. Bother me. That's what I'm there for. I'm there to be bothered. God says, says, look, I can handle your troubles. I can handle Pete's troubles. I can handle all the troubles in the world all at the same time. And it's not a bother for me. Listen, God could handle trouble before Genesis 1-1. He's the same God. He doesn't change. He's the same God today, yesterday, and forevermore. He can handle your troubles. He says, come to me and I will help you. He says in Psalm 50, verse 15, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. God says, put me first, even in the tough times. Put me first. This brings us to an interesting point. How do you know when God's first in your life? How do you know when God's first in your life? You ready for this? You stop worrying. You stop worrying. Worry is a warning light that you're not trusting God. I'm speaking from experience, okay? I know what this is like. And I admit to you, it's not always easy. It's difficult. But when you're constantly worrying about things, it means that you're not really turning things over to God. You're not really putting God first in your life. When you start worrying, you're playing God is what you're doing, and, and you're sitting, you're assuming a responsibility that does not belong to you. You know, when I worry about my finances, you know what that means? I didn't put God first, my finances. When I'm, when, when I'm worried about the interests and the things that I'm doing, it means I didn't put God first, my interests. When I'm worried about the relationships that I have, and whether they're damaging me or not, it means I'm not putting God first in my relationships. Well, when my schedule begins to overwhelm me and I'm worried about my schedule, it means I haven't put God first in my schedule. And when I'm overburdened by troubles and difficulties and problems in my life, it means I have not put God first in my troubles. But when I get all these things right, when, when, I, when I begin to, uh, to put God first in these five areas, I begin to find that I don't have the worry that I used to have because I know that God is in control. Listen, 
It may, he may not fix your problem next week. He may not fix it next year. He may not fix it in a way that you think he should be. But God can fix it. He doesn't need your opinion. He doesn't need your, your assessment of the situation. You know, we want things fixed right now. And God says, well, I was thinking about fixing that five years now. Would that be okay with you? See, God doesn't need your opinion. He doesn't need your advice. It's kind of like he told Job. He said, Job, where were you when, when I made thunder? Can you do that, Job? In other words, I'll fix your problems. Let me worry about it. You don't worry about it. Trust me. Put God first in your worries. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What Jesus is telling us there is put him first in every area of your life. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You know when Jesus uttered those words? It was right in the middle of a passage on worry. He says, which one of you by worrying can add anything to your stature? Which one of you by worrying can add any time to your life? Nobody. He said, but if you'll do this, in the midst of your worry, if you will do this, seek me first in my kingdom. He said, I'll take care of all those other things in your life. That's what he's telling us to do. Put God first. Give him the priority. I can't think of a better way to start the new year than to put God first in our lives. Listen, if you want to build a successful life, if you want to build a life that God will prosper, then put God first in your life. I don't know about you. I can't speak for you. But I want to put God first in my finances. I want to put God first in my interests. I want to put God first in my relationships. I want to put God first in my schedule. I want to put God first in my troubles. That's what I want to do. I believe that if I will follow that principle, he will keep his promise to me to bless my life in the areas in which I put him first. I believe God will do that. So how about you? In a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. The first part of the invitation is our offering. Remember I told you to take that little blue card and fill it out? Well, this is the time you're going to drop it in the offering plate. Don't want your name. Hey, if you're a guest, you do not have to put one in there, okay? Now, if you want to, I'm not going to stop you, okay? But you do not have to put one in there, okay? But if you're a member and, and, and you love this church, and you love the Lord, or you love the Lord and you love this church, you put down your commitment. That's between you and God. You put that down. And at the same time, drop in your offering that God has brought you here and that you want to honor God with. That's the first part of our invitation. So I'm going to lead us in prayer. You're going to stay seated. Praise team's going to come up. I'm going to lead us in prayer. Our offering, offertory people will come up and take up the offering. And then when that's over, we're moving to step, step two.